0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets.
1: This show is brought to you by Pet King Brands, the makers of Zymox and Oratine.
0: It's OBE with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Arden Moore.
1: Welcome to the OBH show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Now, we've had many prolific authors on the show, now in its 13th year, but our special guest today may have pinned the most books. And uh, she definitely wins my personal award for the best book title. Ick. Yep, I did say Ick. I got your attention. The just-released book from National Geographic Kids is called, you ready for it, Ick! Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses. Please join me in giving pause and applause to the book's author, the always curious, Melissa Stewart. Welcome to our show, Melissa. Thanks for having me. All right. Now, listeners, uh, you're in for a treat and not the kind you want to eat, though. So I would advise putting down that sandwich or the munching of chips while you tune in, because Melissa is going to share some icky things. For example, she's going to reveal an icky thing that hungry cockroaches eat The bizarre defense weapon that Western hook nosed snakes use to keep enemies away, and just lots of unexpected ways critters use pee, poop, and spit. All right, so get your mind ready for a wild ride after we take this commercial break. Just sit and stay. We'll be right back.
0: Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. Obehave behave. We'll be right back.
1: Hey pet pals, Arden Moore here. Is your dog or cat prone to ear infections? Does your pet resist having his ears clean when they're inflamed or irritated? Are you also concerned about the overuse of antibiotics? Help is here. Zymox ear care products offer soothing relief and you'll love this part. They don't require the ear to be cleaned before you apply the drops. It's just as easy as fill, rub, And done. That means less touching of those sensitive ears to help create a soothing, fear-free experience. And you only apply once a day. Here's another perk. Zymox, at Z-Y-M-O-X, gets its effectiveness from enzymes, not antibiotics. You'll find these veterinary recommended products through your veterinarian, most pet specialty retailers, and online. To learn more, go to Zymox.com, that's Z-Y-M-O-X. Pause up.
0: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Obehave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now, back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore.
1: Welcome back to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Now, I have been... So looking forward to chatting with our special guest today. Her name is Melissa Stewart. I did some quick math. Melissa has written more than 180 science books for kids. That is at least 30 more books than the combined number of books written by three of the world's top authors, Stephen King, J.K. Rowling, and Dean Koontz. Wow. I've humbly written more than 30 books and thought I had strong typing fingers. But there's just no way, Melissa, I'm going to take you on in a finger wrestling match. Woo, 180? What's your thoughts on that? That's a pretty major accomplishment.
2: You know, I've been working at it for 30 years. And the nice thing about children's books is that they're a little bit shorter than adult books. So it may take a little bit less time. But some of them, some of them do take time. In fact, one, one of my books, No Monkeys, No Chocolate, took 10 years to write. So sometimes I'm working on a book for a very long time, but then I have other books that I'm doing in the meantime.
1: All right. So you do have strong typing fingers. Come on, right? Are you in the Olympics for that? Or is there a finger typing wrestling contest?
2: You know, I didn't know that there was an Olympic sport in that,
1: but I should look into it. I probably would do pretty well. I think you would be a gold winner. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you, you know, with this book, ick. It did, though. It kind of inspired you, and uh, I read some uh, background on you, and it kind of came to be you have a nice note you write to people, and you said it's actually 24 years in the making. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, yeah, so the book actually began while I was on a trip to Kenya and
2: Tanzania on an African safari back in 1996 when I saw an animal called the black-backed jackal feeding hmm. its young regurgitated food. So it goes out and hunts, and then it brings the food back to the den and regurgitates it for its young. And then the next day, I saw a jerenik, which is a kind of gazelle that regurgitates its food up to four times and rechews its cud. And oh. <laughs> right at that moment, yeah, it's pretty gross, right? I decided to start making a list of animals that use vomit in Interesting or unusual ways, and that's what eventually led me to write this book.
1: So, Melissa, you just didn't slap this book together, and uh, you get an A for how much research you did. Folks, in the back of the book, I'm not kidding, she has tons of sources, and the line of credits read in the smallest font ever to make it on a big page. So, writing is one of your many talents, but talk a little bit about your researching. My goodness. Yeah, the,
2: so I was collecting information for about 24 years to create this book and I have a giant filing cabinet in my office with different folders and each one has a different title. So one is called cannibal animals, one is called <laughs> animals that regurgitate, birds that build unusual nests and so I pull depending on whatever my topic is, I pull articles and information from these different folders to create the book, all the, all of my books. And uh, this one I pulled from quite a few different folders to get all the great information that's in the book.
1: So let's go back in time. You're a 10 year old. I know you've always loved nature, but when was it in your head that I think I'm going to be a science writer and, and aim it for kids? And I know you went to college, I think for a different pursuit. So tell us about how this all married together.
2: Yeah, I've always been a science lover and a science kid. And so when I went to college, I majored in biology. But in okay. my last year, when I was sort of looking for what uh, what job I might do, I had a teacher who suggested that maybe I should consider being a writer and writing about science because she thought that was a talent that I had. And she was really the first person to ever say that to me. But I liked the idea and so I quickly applied to a science journalism program at New York University.
1: So with this book, I want to dive in because I want to get people, um, their stomachs churning. I kind of teased at the uh, intro that uh, you're going to tell us a little bit about the icky things that hungry cockroaches eat. And I think I'm going to postpone my Manny Petty. Go ahead, tell us. <laughs>
2: So cockroaches will eat almost anything, but what I talk about in the book is fingernail clippings that are on the bathroom floor. And also in the 1600s, 1700s, when there were cockroach-infested boats that were traveling across the Atlantic, they would often eat the fingernail of um, sailors at night. So the sailors would wear gloves to prevent
1: that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Now this one is a gas. I want you to tell us about what the Western hook nose snake does to keep the uh, bad boy enemies away from him.
2: They make a farting sound. It sounds just <laughs> like a fart, and they actually send a rush of air out the end of their intestines, out their, their back end.
1: And it sounds just like a farting sound. Oh, my gosh. See, you make money getting to use the word fart. Do you know how many young kids everywhere are having uh, Melissa Stewart envy right now?
2: Actually, it's an interesting story. At the very last stage of the book, someone pretty high up in the editorial department at National Geographic said, you know what? You've got to limit the number of times that you use the word fart. So we had to go back through. We didn't remove them all, but we did remove some of them.
1: So you had a fart police on your book? We did. Well, I say bravo. Now, we're going to go from some critters that a lot of people know to some bizarre ones. So if you don't mind, Melissa, let's start with some things that are weird things that animals eat. So on page 11, you talk about the eastern cottontail rabbit. What a sweet little baby. But there's a big fancy word you use, and it's C-E-C-O-T-R-O-P-E-S. Please yes. di- digest Cicotropes. that definition and let us know something weird about these rabbits. So, cecotropes are actually a kind of poop. Rabbits <laughs> and,
2: are, make, and also guinea pigs and some other animals make two kinds of poop. And the, the first kind that they make is actually kind of these soft pellets that they eat. And the reason is that it they, they eat grass, which is very hard to digest. And so by eating their poop, they get a chance to try to get at those nutrients to be able to digest those nutrients twice before they finally
1: have just regular poop. See, you got to write about farts and poop. We're on our way, aren't we? Okay, the other one I was really intrigued by, he's never going to win a beauty contest. The turkey vulture on uh, page 16. Tell us a little bit about what he does with that ugly bald head. So,
2: as many people probably know, turkey vultures eat rotting carcasses. And if they had feathers on their head, they would get probably stuck in the kind of the goop and the sticky, icky stuff that's inside the carcass because it just sticks its head right in and chows down but because it has a bald head there it actually is much easier for it to keep its
1: head clean okay oops hang on we might need to have you repeat that to keep his bald head clean go ahead to keep his bald head clean so we got the head now one of the things i do for a living melissa is i'm a master certified pet first aid instructor and And I use a real cat and a dog for all my veterinary approved classes. So we always talk about the safe way to cool down a hot dog or a cat. You never use ice, use cool water. But this bad boy, the turkey vulture, what's some weird, icky way that he keeps cool on the hot summer days?
2: So he actually pees on his legs. And so (laughs) as that liquid evaporates, it cools off its body, just like as the sweat evaporates off our body. Right, um, It helps keep us
1: cool. It's the exact same way. So you're not going to recommend we pee on our legs, right? No, I don't think so. Okay. Now there is on, uh, I love this one, the honeybee. We're thinking, oh, these little guys, they work so hard. They make delicious things. But you have a phrase on page 23, you call it spectacular. What's going on with that honey that we love in our tea? So there are two bees that
2: are involved in making two kinds of bees that are involved in making honey. There's the bees, the field bees that go out and collect nectar from flowers, and then they bring it back to the hive, and a house bee actually rolls it around in its mouth, and the warmth of the spit and also some of the ingredients, the chemicals in the spit, help to make the nutrients more available when they're eating it. So without bee spit. We would not have honey.
1: I don't ever see it on the list of ingredients Bee spit. <laughs> do you? They might have fewer customers. And then uh, this is getting so fun. You don't know how much I was laughing. I almost blew snot out of my nose, but I was afraid it was going to be eaten by a cockroach. So I didn't. <laughs> but on the on pages 44 and 45, you talk about the dung beetle. And uh, I'm just thinking, I never thought of poop as a defense. So can you talk a little bit about, you say that they have a fondness for feces.
2: Oh yeah, so God. so dung beetles, there are actually a few different kinds of dung beetles, but they all roll balls of poop and carry it back to their nest. And so some of them lay eggs in the poop. And then when the, the little babies are born, the little baby dung beetles, they actually eat the poop.
1: Oh my gosh. All right. I guess that's a unique type of, protein and the way this book is designed guys we're talking with our author melissa stewart she just wrote up you gotta get this book guys ick delightfully disgusting animal dinners dwellings and defenses and i love these two-page spread layouts very colorful and true national geographic style but you always have this little box it and some of them called extra ick so tell us a little bit about the dung beetles a little extra ick
2: Yeah, so dung beetles, one of the interesting things about dung beetles is that they live all over the world. And so while we normally think of dung beetles that live in Africa, they actually are living right around us and they will feed on cow poop and on deer droppings. So right in your backyard, you could, or in a a field or a forest near you, there could be dung beetles.
1: Well, I think we've been covering farts and poop. And a little spit, so we're going to go back on page 48 and 49. You talk about the white nest swiftlet, and uh, I really am pretty, uh, they're pretty uh, creative in how they build their nest.
2: They are. So they use strings of spit, and so (laughs) they line line them up. They make it on the inside wall of a cave, Yeah. and they strand after strand after strand of it, and as it dries out and hardens, it becomes quite strong and so it can hold the little chicks in
1: there until they fledge. Now this isn't icky. This is pretty much uh, creative and smart. So if they're going around trying to grab some uh, food on the fly, I'm talking flying insects, and they start following these little guys into a cave, I understand they don't have really good eyesight. So how do they find their uh, food on the fly?
2: They actually, they use the same technique as bats and dolphins. Uh, they use echolocation.
1: Oh, wow. That's cool. I'm sorry. I'm a Melissa Stewart fan. Is that okay, Melissa? <laughs>
2: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> We're talking with the author of Ick, Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses. You guys are going to check her out. Her website is melissa-stewart.com, and that's S-T-E-W-A-R-T.com when we come back we're going to talk with uh, melissa about some icky dwellings and dinners of all sizes of critters on this planet but we got to take this commercial break so sit and stay we'll be right
0: back time for a walk on the red carpet of course all behave will be back in a flash right after these messages
1: Hey, pet pals, Arden Moore here. Welcome to spring and summer, the onset of itchy skin and allergy season. Is your pet dealing with itchy skin, hot spots, and even ear infections? Help is here. It is Zymox shampoo and conditioner to the rescue. Not only is this a shampoo and conditioner great for general bathing and healthy skin support, but it is the go-to shampoo and conditioner for itchy pets. Its patented enzyme formula is loaded with antibacterial and antifungal properties to ease the itch and stop the scratching. And, as an added bonus, Zymox shampoos and conditioners give off a lovely, pleasant, non-medicine smell. For over 20 years, Zymox products have been helping pets find relief for many health conditions. All Zymox skin and ear products get their effectiveness from enzymes. Zymox contains no antibiotics and no petroleum byproducts, just the soothing power of enzymes. Zymox can be found at your veterinary clinic, most pet specialty stores, and online. To learn more, dash over to www.zymox.com. That's Z-Y-M-O-X for your pet's sake.
0: Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to O Here's Arden.
1: Welcome back to the O Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Now I've been doing this show 13 years guys. We've had celebrities from Jennifer Aniston and Betty White, major authors like Dean Koontz. Melissa, don't get embarrassed, but I am an Icky fan. I'm an Ick fan. You should create a whole Ick following. So bravo to you and all you do. I mean, come on, you can't say you have a boring life.
2: Absolutely not. I you know, I feel so lucky that I get to research all these cool facts and then be able to share them with readers.
1: Well, you did a little uh, not-so-FAQ on your website, and uh, so I wanted to ask you, you know the answer, if somebody said, I can just see you well, remember when we used to fly in airplanes and meet people and talk at cocktail parties? Well, one day that'll return post-COVID, but if you could be any kind of animal, what would you be and why? You know, the answer to this question changes from time to time, but I think
2: right now I'm really into American pikas. Woo! They are really adorable little animals that live in the, the Rocky Mountain area, and they, they spend their whole summers collecting grass that they dry in the sun, yeah. and, and they eat it during the winter. And it just sounds, I would love to spend the summer in the Rocky Mountains.
1: Well, you earlier had said a chipmunk because then you could hibernate all winter. So, right. So, you could. I think with your talents, you could just morph into anything you want. Look out Marvel Comics. We got Melissa Stewart. You could be a whole new uh, character for Marvel Comics. What do you think? (laughs) Should we call them? You know, between you and me, I know we have so much clout. I'm sure they would listen to uh, a movie pitch, right? Sure. Why not? And we'll just go bigger. You said uh, if you were in the Olympic, what would you like to win a gold medal in? But uh, I loved your answer. So don't putt around. What did you say? Well, I said
2: miniature golf. I'm not really much of a sports fanatic, but that's one game I enjoy.
1: Do you know there's a show on TV called Holy Moly?
2: Oh, no, I've never seen that.
1: Yeah, it's on, I forgot what network, but it's these two uh, comedians and the basketball legend Seth Curry. They created this amazing miniature golf course. It's crazy, crazy, gigantic and big. And people from all over are competing to win the green plaid jacket and a, a gold putter, which is not really gold. But it's hilarious because they fall in water and they have to go up these things. And it's like regular miniature golf on steroids. So I think you should enter that show. Holy moly. I'll have to look it up. Did you ever think you were going to talk about golf when you authored a book called Ick? Delightful, disgusting animal dinners, dwellings and defenses. I didn't. Why not, though? Yeah. Now you know why my show's called Oh Behave, because I don't. All right. Let's go to dwellings. Dwellings. I feel like I'm Alex Trebek. Dwellings for 200, please. And one of the things that I thought was pretty fascinating that you found was, let's talk about the uh, bushy-tailed wood rat. So you said some people on page 56 collect baseball cards. What the heck does a bushy-tailed wood rat do?
2: They will actually collect just about anything that you can think of, especially they like shiny things. Okay. And they, they bring them back to their nest. Their nest is called a, a midden. They have a very large nest. And
1: to kind of cement it all together, they use pea. Yeah, that's my go-to too. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Now, I feel kind of bad for the uh, daisy parrotfish. We're going to dip into the big sea on page 62. And you said that uh, the daisy parrotfish, they cover themselves with slime. But talk a little bit about, they're kind of one of the ones that get picked on, don't they, in the sea, the great big sea?
2: They have. Well, they have. There are a lot of little parasitic kinds of, they're not insects, but they're kind of just these tiny little creatures that will, they'll feed on a lot of fish, but especially parrotfish. But parrotfish have a good trick that they create this slimy bubble around themselves and they sleep in it during the night so that they won't get picked on by these
1: little these nasty little critters oh okay what do actually on page 68 and 69 you're talking about the flesh fly and there is this huge blown up photo of this fly makes him look even uglier if that's possible tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about the flesh fly so normally
2: we think of toads and frogs eating flies but this is a fly It sort of turns that idea on its head that it lay the females lay their eggs. They actually give birth to live, young little maggots, and they lay them on the kind of the upper thigh of the toads, and they burrow into their skin, and they eat the toads from the inside out.
1: Oh, yum, yum. I think with a little Chianti wine, it'd be just fine. Don't you, Melissa? (laughs) Sure, why not? (laughs) So finally, we're going to tease you all and go to defenses that's the third section of melissa stewart's book and on page 76 and 77 i'm looking at these quack quacks and you got the northern shovel how do you pronounce that shoveler shoveler yep i've never heard that name but you know that mama duck does anything she can to protect her babies right
2: yep if a predator comes close to the nest she will eventually abandon it but before she does She poops all over her eggs
1: so that they won't be very appetizing to the predator. Wow, that's crazy. Now, we have a lot of squirrels and chipmunks here in Dallas. And on page 78, there's a Siberian chipmunk. Adorable! Until you tell us what he does to uh, hide from uh, predators.
2: They actually will roll in pee of snakes. (laughs) And if they see a dead snake, they will actually cut open... It's bladder and roll in the pee so that predators mistake it for a snake and don't attack.
1: All right. And the third and final example of a defense, which I think is should be on one of those horror shows, American Horror Show, Move Over, we got on page 88, the Texas horned lizard. I'm sort of new to Dallas and Texas. I lived in California many years, and I'm like, oh, totally respect, and I'm staying out of uh, spray vision Did you get it? Spray vision. (laughs) So tell me, tell me a little bit about the Texas horn lizard. Texas
2: horn lizards—they have—they are very small lizards, and they have a lot of different defenses. But if none of them really work against, say, a coyote, they will spray blood out of the corner of their eyes, (laughs) and they will spray it right at the face of the coyotes, and it tastes terrible
1: and smells terrible to the coyotes, and so they will run away. Wow. So. All of this put together, guys, this is a great book, Ick, Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses. Melissa, I know you've written almost 200 books. What's your takeaway about this book and nature in general? My goodness. Well, I
2: think it just shows how incredible nature is and how many different
1: ways animals have come up with to survive in the world. Wow. So what's your next book you're working on? Because I know you're not going to just stop still after this.
2: My next book is actually goes in a completely different direction. I have a picture book coming out in the next spring that is called 14 Monkeys, A Rainforest Rhyme. And it's about 14 different species of monkeys that live together in a rainforest in Peru and how they're all able to manage to survive there um, together. That's most forests only have maybe two or three different kinds of monkeys. So what is it that's special about these monkeys and this rainforest that they can all survive together?
1: Wow. Now, how many countries do you know you've been to? Do you have been to more countries than books you've written?
2: Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many countries I've been to, but, I, I, you know, maybe 20 or
1: so, I would guess. Is there a special one you really love? I think my trip to Africa, that is really my favorite. All right. Any advice you could give curious young kids in pursuing a career, whether it's writing or something else, because I think you've kept that kid in you, that natural curiosity. So what kind of uh, advice could you give some kids tuning in?
2: You know, I just think whatever it is that you're excited about, that you're passionate about, just keep doing it. Even if it doesn't seem like it could lead to a job, you never know. Because there are statistics that say something like 50% of the jobs that will exist in 20 years don't currently exist. It's so hard to know where the future is going to go. And so just keep doing what you love. And eventually, you may be able to find a way to create a job doing that.
1: I think that's very insightful. I was a a daily investigative newspaper reporter for 20 years back in the day. And you know what? I never imagined in my day that the newspaper world would be just so diminishing and disappearing and becoming extinct. So in my lifetime, that was a big eye opener. So I'm glad I I kept going and, and evolving. But who knows what the future holds, right?
2: That's right. And, you know, podcasts, for example, they didn't really even exist 10 years ago. Right. So you just never know.
1: That's right. Well, Mark Winner, our producer of Pet Life Radio, started Pet Life Radio before it was even like they couldn't spell podcast. Is that with one word or two? And that was about 13 years ago. So he's created uh, dozens of shows. And so maybe he has a crystal ball. Melissa, what do you think? Uh, maybe. <laughs> So at this time, Melissa, last question. I know we talked about all these goobers and gooey and scary and and all this, but do you have any pets of your own?
2: I actually, right now, I don't. We
1: usually have a cat, but at this particular moment, we don't. Okay, but you love, it seems like, all creatures of all shapes, sizes, and whether they fling, dung, fart, poop, or spit out of their eyes, right? Absolutely. All right. I've really enjoyed having you on our show, Melissa. Everybody, please check out the book by National Geographic Kids. It's called Ick! Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses. And we have enjoyed having Melissa Stewart on our show today and also uh, i want to give a shout out to mark winner our executive producer the wizard of paws he's the man that's created all these shows that are on pet life radio the world's largest listened to pet radio network so until next time i promise not to spit blood from my eyes but this is your flea free host art and delivering just two words to all you two three and four leggers out there oh behave
0: Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do. And get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin, Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.